Hello. Hello. Testing. Hello. (laughs) Welcome back, lovely humans of planet Earth. Today, I am joined by someone who's no stranger to the media, (laughs) Meridine Tizai. Thank you, Daniel. Tis you. It is Tizai. Tizai, (laughs) Meridine. So, um, the whole um, reason why I got you here today, I didn't know all of your stories before I asked you, and I was just thinking, oh, you're a Vedic meditation teacher, and... Your Vedic meditation teachers are cool, so I'll get yeah, you on <laughs> to talk about Some of that. Them. Not all of them. Not Some all of them. them? Oh, no, most of them are. Most of them are pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And um, all the ones that have been on this podcast are really cool. Mm, of course. Um, so, so then I looked, I Googled you. You're fascinating. Ah, thank you. Yes. You do a lot of stuff. You've done a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, the most interesting one for me, Big Brother. Uncut. Oh, yeah. You weren't expecting <laughs> that the- question, were you? <laughs> Back in the day. Um, yeah, I think um, IMDb credits come up every now and then on some random things. Yes. So I was um, I was head of publicity at Channel 10 mm-hmm. back in the day of reality TV. Yes. And Were you there during the teabag scandal? I was there through most of the scandals, yeah, actually. Right. Um, no, you know what? I just I just left during that time, mm-hmm. but I was there for a lot of scandals. So yes. uh, crisis management was my uh, forte. Yes. Very good in a crisis. Did you have to make some judgment calls on whether things went to air or things were too, too rude to go to air during the uncut situation? Uh, I did a lot of damage control on uncut, after, actually. After the fact? After the fact, yeah. yeah. right. Mm. So... Um, you would have seen some things, right? I saw lots of things. <laughs> I saw lots of things. Mm. Yeah, TV was fun. TV used to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. So then going from Big Brother Uncut, do you want to take us back to um, how you became a Vedic meditation teacher? Sure. Um, Is that the best place to start? It's a good place to start. Okay. I think that probably um, since I uh, since we've talked about Big Brother, um, I would probably talk about the way that I began uh, mm-hmm. Meditating, which is kind of an interesting story. Yes. Should I start there? Please do. And then after that, we'll get to the shopaholic thing. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. There was that <laughs> as well. You know, you know everything. Yes. Google tells you everything. It does. Um, so, yeah, I've had a very mixed and varied career, uh, always in media, so 25 years in media. Mm-hmm. I started off in magazines. I worked in New York and then came back to Australia and was really lucky to get promoted quite quickly. Um, So I was in my late 20s, working in magazines, having a lot of fun. Uh, Two of my close friends had learnt to meditate from a man called Tom Knowles. Mm -hmm. And uh, back in those days, you had to go to Sydney um, if you're in Melbourne to learn to meditate. Mm-hmm. These days, um, people from Fitzroy don't want to go over to St Kilda to meditate. <laughs> but uh, back in those days, used to fly up to Sydney and um, spend some time up there mm-hmm. and learn to meditate with Tom. But he was coming down to Melbourne, so my friends were really keen for me to learn. Mm-hmm. I was having a lot of trouble sleeping at that time. Yep. So um, I was, uh, I'd got to the point where I was traveling a lot for work overseas and I um, was starting to take sleeping tablets and they weren't becoming very effective. So mm-hmm. my sleep was really out. And so they were like, if you go and learn meditation, this thing that we do, you'll be able to sleep really well. And I was like, okay. 
So it was a Sunday night in July in winter about 20 years ago. I'm very old. And um, I rocked up to the Sofitel Hotel Mm -hmm. and there was a man there who was uh, giving this lecture. And it happened to be the uh, World Cup cricket match and Australia was playing India. And I was the only person that turned up to this uh, introductory <laughs> talk on meditation. And I really pretty much only went to appease my friends. And um, so Tom's assistant at the time was a woman called Lamore Babai, mm-hmm. who's now a very well-known meditation teacher in Sydney yes. and a good friend of mine. Uh, so he sent uh, Lamore away and ordered some hot chocolate and I got a three-hour intro talk Wow! by Tom Knowles. Three hours. Three hours. <laughs> That's pretty um, special. So once he started talking about uh, meditation, I was like, yeah, cool. I, I really want to do this. It all made sense to me. And um, so he said, you know, you can learn tomorrow but you have to bring some things but yeah. I'm going to get the hotel to organise them for you. So just turn up and bring $1,000. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. Yep. Didn't have $1,000. <laughs> but I just trusted in yep. the universe that it was mm-hmm. the right thing to do. Yep. Um, took my checkbook because that's what you did in those days. Um, turned up the next morning and he had fruit, flowers and a white hanky for me. Yes. Um, and I wrote a check with my green ink pen for $1,000 and... Um, yeah, I learned to meditate. Called my mother when I got home. <laughs> said, "Can you lend me a thousand dollars?" And uh, quickly put the money in the account. And yeah, the rest is history. Beautiful. So yeah, that's how I learned to meditate. Yes. So and just quickly with the sleeping business. Yeah. You were you were stressed. It wasn't so much stress. I just didn't really understand how to fly and travel mm-hmm. and deal with jet lag. Mm. So I would arrive in overseas. So I was, you know, in my late 20s and I was being flown overseas for all these junkets. I was working in magazines. There was a lot of money in magazines in those days. And so I'd turn up and, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't have slept on the plane properly, mm. arrive somewhere, drink heaps of coffee. Then I'd go to a function, drink heaps of champagne yep. um, and just, you know, just stop sleeping. And then... um the older people I was travelling with were all like, you should get sleeping tablets, which I did. And, of course, they're not great for you. Yes. So I really, really, I wasn't stressed. I'm, I'm kind of lucky that I didn't have um, I didn't have a lot of issues or a lot of dramatic things. So, uh, but I did, I wasn't sleeping properly. Mm-hmm. So that was, the, that was the reason I told a lot of people I learned to meditate. Yes. Um, so it helped a lot with that. So when you now get on a plane and meditation is much better for adapting to the yeah. The so you go. Um, I've just been running a course this weekend, and um, one of the times that you can meditate as much as you want, as you would know, is on a plane. Yes. So we have lots of radiation on planes, mm-hmm. and um, meditation is fantastic for plane travel. Actually, mm. um, so we know that pilots and um, Air stewards have lots of health issues because of their plane travel. So when you're on a plane, it's fantastic. I always tell all my students, when you fly from Sydney to Melbourne or to Brisbane or Adelaide where it's a short trip, from when they do the safety demonstration, ping. So after they finish (laughs) the safety demonstration, start meditating. Yes. And um, when they ping the seatbelt sign, that's exactly 20 minutes. You don't even have to use any timing device. Yeah, right. Perfect. (laughs) I usually drop in from that point until landing. Oh, on the, very good. I'm getting there, so yeah. But you're an overachiever. With yeah, meditation, well, I just I, think. I just use any excuse to yeah. stay in meditation. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> it works the same way if I'm flying to India. Just yeah, 24 hour med. <laughs> That's fantastic. It's actually, good. it's yeah. really good. 
helps you adjust. It does help to adjust. Mm. And um, it helps with the jet lag on either side as well, Mm. which is great. So then back to how you got to start to meditate. So um, in that introductory talk, I was really lucky. So Tom talked about a lot about um, different things of spirituality. I was a really kind of weird little kid who mm-hmm. had lots of cognitions and visualizations and premonitions. And both my um, maternal grandmother and my father were very kind of spiritual. Yeah, believed everything was a sentient being. They talked to plants and cou- couches and dogs like they were human beings. Mm-hmm. So um, when I went to meditate, it kind of just made. A lot of things made sense to me, which hadn't before. Mm-hmm. So that was all very cool for me. Then whereabouts did you get sick? Okay, so um, just before I turned 40, mm-hmm. for my 40th birthday, I got cancer. And um, I found out, which we didn't know, I had, I had a genetic mutation. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was passed down from my father's side and um, just wasn't aware that the, it was there. So um, I found the lump. Um, I had breast cancer. I had a quite large aggressive lump. It was uh, early stages. We caught it early. I had surgery and chose not to have chemotherapy. Mm-hmm. So I had breast cancer with the BRCA1 gene um, and it's called triple negative cancer. So the prognosis for triple negative BRCA1s is really low. Um, only 2% of women that have breast cancer have this type of cancer and mm-hmm. it's the most deadliest. Mm. Um, so I'm still alive 10 years later. Yay. And um, yeah, thank you. <laughs> and um, so that I can come and do your podcast here. Yes. And um, yeah, so that's that's been an interesting part of my journey as well. So what what's the reason behind not doing chemo like and is that a rare like a normal thing to do or did you no it's very rare Mm -hmm. and um they're not quite sure why I'm still alive um my doctors first said I was lucky then I was an anomaly and now I'm considered a bit of a freak yes um so triple negatives don't have don't last long and then um you know no one really uh refuses chemo when you have this sort of diagnosis mm-hmm. um i'd been meditating for already 12 years so a lot of i was a bit disappointed and I, I remember thinking well i've been meditating and doing all the right things mm-hmm. but with this particular genetic mutation you ha- i had a 90 percent chance of getting cancer mm-hmm. in my lifetime so i like to think of it as what would have happened if i hadn't been meditating yeah you know i was born with this genetic mutation luckily for me I f- i'm glad that i didn't know about it until i turned 40 mm-hmm. I, I was diagnosed just right around my birthday actually um and misdiagnosed a few times before that knew there was something wrong with me mm-hmm. um so i it was one of the easiest decisions for me to make yes as soon as i was diagnosed with cancer i just thought i'm not having chemo mm-hmm. and um and that again is tapping into my inner feeling my intuition whatever it is uh, i think that meditation allows me to make the right decisions for me mm-hmm. and you know you would be aware of the principles of ayurveda yes and um it's all about doing what's what's right for you and what feels right for you mm-hmm. so for me not having chemo felt right to me i was very sensitive to chemicals and drugs um i just thought that chemo would kill me rather than cancer yeah so you had the surgery yeah, so I had surgery and um, so that was that got rid of the cancer from my body mm-hmm. and then I just chose to rebuild my immune system through mm-hmm. natural ways. Did you do any, like what other, other ways? Did you use Ayurveda, bring Ayurveda in more or other any other practices to help strengthen your immune system or did you go to India and do yagyas or? <laughs> mm, interesting. Look, mm. I, 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 um, my 
meditation program changed a bit. Mm-hmm. So I did uh, very long meditations. Mm-hmm. I actually experienced a lot of pain after the surgery. Um, younger women tend to have something that's called uh, post-mastectomy pain syndrome. Mm-hmm. So I was doing a lot of ocean swimming before I got sick. And they think because I had a lot of muscle in that region that I had experienced a lot of pain. Mm-hmm. So I was doing very strange uh, meditation uh, practice, which please don't try at home on your own, um, which was meditating twice a week for three or four hours at a time. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that really helped with my healing process. And then I did things a lot. I did a lot of vitamin C therapy. I did uh, hyperbaric oxygen therapy. Mm-hmm. Uh, my diet was largely uh, vegan with a little bit of fish. That was my main diet. A lot of green juices. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did what my, my dosha is pitta. I'm mm-hmm. very pitta. Um, and so I did all the things that were, you know, good for a pitta to do. Yes. If you're into Ayurveda. I didn't do punch karma. Mm-hmm. I, um, I didn't feel too well. And I, for me, it felt, I felt more comfortable about staying in Australia and, and doing my healing treatment there. Yeah. Um, I love my spiritual body loves India, but my physical body doesn't love it so much. <laughs> <laughs> the food? Um, I really, I, I do struggle a lot with dairy. I have no um, enzymes for uh, digesting lactose. Yes. So in India, that's that's challenging. Mm-hmm. Uh, gluten doesn't agree with me either. I'm not allergic at all, but with dairy, I am. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I have terrible off the charts dust allergy. And you know, Delhi is the most polluted city in the world now. Yeah. Um, and bacteria is again really high levels in 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 India. So for someone, um, you know, for me personally, not for everyone, just for me personally, it wasn't. It didn't feel like the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. So I'm just building my immune system so I can go back to India. You know. Yeah. Again. <laughs> when was the last time you went to India? Um, I was there in 2011, I think. Of course, it's yeah. been a while then. Yeah. Yeah, miss it. Yeah. Yeah, love Rishikesh. Yes. Mm. So there you go. There you go. And um, what else? The shop. The shopping. When? How, how did you become a shopaholic? Um, I, I I called myself an over shopper. When did you have time to do this? So. Um, I was working in TV. Uh, I had a successful career in TV. Very mm-hmm. busy. Um, and what did you do? Just quickly, like, give us a couple of things that you did in TV. Um, so I did a lot of work um, as a publicist. I was also a TV producer. Um, I was a marketing executive. I ran a few channels, TV channels, and branding, integration, you name it. I've kind of done a bit of everything in TV. Um, So at the time I was working in publicity. Uh, Again, this is during my uh, Channel 10 days. I... um, Basically, I had a little epiphany one day. I was working with um, Chris Noth, who was uh, Mr. Big and Sex in the City. I used to go down to a TV show called Rove. Uh, I was living in Sydney and every Tuesday Rove night. Rove McManus's show? Yeah. I know that one. Yeah, that show. Yeah. Back in the day. Back in the day. Uh, it used to be taped on a live on a Tuesday night. So most Tuesday nights I would uh, go down to Sydney. I'd go down from Sydney to Melbourne and look after whoever was in town. Mm-hmm. So Mr. Big was here. I was looking after him. And um, I had to go to Rove's show and I'd been working on the Logies and I needed something to wear. And Mr. Big smoked a lot of cigars. So all my clothes stank of cigars. <laughs> I was always like somewhere with him having a – he was having a cigar. I wasn't. Um, so I wanted to go and buy something to wear. I went and bought this black uh, blouse with lots of bows on it and everything um, so I could wear it to the Rove show Uh the Foo Fighters were on that show, so I wanted to look really good and cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and I met 
got to meet Dave Grohl in the green room, so it was all very exciting. <laughs> um, so I'd bought this bought this expensive uh, shirt top to wear. Got back to Melbourne. I mean, got back to Sydney from Melbourne, and um, and I found the exact same shirt hanging in my wardrobe, and I just thought. Ah, uh, something's wrong here. My <laughs> life's out of balance. Yeah, and um, and slowly but surely, I just went through my wardrobe and through my books, and at that time, CDs and DVDs, and I found you know a few things where I had du- duplicates. So you know, two yeah. the same book, two the same CD, and I just thought you know I'm using shopping as a stress release. You mm-hmm. know, I'm using it as a hobby because I didn't have time to go have hobbies because my job was so busy. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, I just pop into a shop and buy pair of shoes or so I, I like to think I wasn't a shopaholic per yes. se mm-hmm. but I definitely use shopping as a form of entertainment yeah so um I spent a year not shopping yes and then I wrote a book about it nice and that um I was really lucky it came out um 2009 so uh I was diagnosed with cancer on the Friday my Final draft of my book was due on the Monday. Yeah. So I just powered through, pulled two all-nighters, finished the book and handed it in. <laughs> um, and then I didn't want to delay. My publishers had said I could delay the, the book coming out, but that was at the same time of the movie, Confessions of a Shopaholic. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the peak of the GFC and it was a little book. It was really easy to access and um, I was really lucky. It did really well. Cool. So, um, and I got to do the publicity for that. Yeah. Um, while I was recovering from cancer. So yeah. it was a really good distraction as well. Yeah, so that, to keep you focused on. Yeah, so I was working mm. full-time promoting my book and recovering from cancer. Full on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I was a meditator, so I had a lot of adaptation energy. You did, yeah. <laughs> um, and have you written, you recently written another book? Yeah, so I've written another book. It's just um, with my publisher at the moment. Um, it's called The Change Junkie and I um, will talk about it more at another time. But it is about my um, journey with cancer, my survival of cancer and uh, my transition from working in TV to becoming a meditation teacher mm-hmm. and also reconnecting with my um, partner who's um, a boyfriend that I had when I was 20 and I hadn't seen him for 27 years yep. and um, had a dream about him one night. Uh, found him on Facebook and we reconnected and we've been together ever since. Yeah, right. Yeah, so that's pretty interesting too. That's very interesting. <laughs> so that that sort of almost maybe I can't ask the next question was no, do. how you became a, the, the Vedic meditation, the transformation into the Vedic meditation teacher. Yeah. So mm. um, as I said, you know, I learned from Tom Knowles in Melbourne about 20 years ago and at that time Tom didn't really have many students in Melbourne. He was being flown down to uh, mentor a businessman who was going through a court case. Mm-hmm. Um, so he spent a lot of time with me at that time. So I would I would have sessions with him, you know, three hours every night, um, late at night when he was um, – I would talk to him on the phone. It was, it was kind of early days, not much internet or anything, social media. We didn't have as much to just distract ourselves. Yeah. And um, I was really keen and he said, one day you will become a teacher. Mm-hmm. So in the back of my mind I always knew that I would be a teacher. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to be ready. You know, I wanted to have had a career. I wanted to have had that TV life that was important to me. And I wanted to have the maturity of someone so that when I became a teacher, I could deal with the heavy things. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and things just played out. You know, I did all the advanced courses. Uh, we were talking earlier about them. So yes. I took my time doing all of those. Uh, back in those days, we would do, you know, I would do two or three uh, rounding retreats a year, which is um, an advanced form of um, meditation, if you like, some um, super extra strength um, meditation. Uh, so I knew all of that was going to happen. I just mm-hmm. let it play out. Yeah. And then um, after I got cancer and around that time uh, I got asked to mentor a lot of people with cancer. Yes. So I, just, I was doing that for free, mentoring people. A lot of people I was working with would ask me to mentor them. Mm-hmm. Everyone wanted to know what my secret was, being calm. Um, <laughs> so I would mentor people with their careers professionally. And then I um, approached Tom and asked him if he would train me as a mentor. Yes. Um, so he did. So I became a mentor, if you like, a Vedic mentor before I became a Vedic meditation teacher. Yeah, right. Mm. Um and so then I started charging people for mentoring mm-hmm. and um, and I was sending everyone off to all the various meditation teachers. Yes. Uh, but more and more my uh, the people that I was mentoring, especially the cancer patients, uh, really wanted to learn meditation from me. Mm-hmm. So then it was like, okay, I'm ready. Now's it's the time. time. Yeah. And, um, and as you would know, media has changed a lot and I could see the writing on the wall and mm. I felt like this would be the career for the second half of my life. Mm-hmm. So I'm turning 50 this year. Yeah. And um, so it was important for me to have a career that I could take on into old age, if you like. Yes. Yeah. I know, I know that feels. <laughs> <laughs> TV is a young person's job. So it's concreting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> when you were talking about it before, I was thinking, yeah, I don't think I can do that. I couldn't do that for a long time. Yeah. No. Um, so TV is a great, great career, but also very hard on the body, not sustainable in a lot, in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And who knows, you know. Um, is it, has it, you obviously still know people that are in the industry. Mm. Has it shrunk because of the other developments? It's constantly changing, mm-hmm. you know. And, um, you know, there, there are opportunities for other people with the new streaming services. I think we'll always need content. Yeah. You know, it's just changing the way, the structure that it is now. Mm-hmm. Um, so actually I still mentor a lot of people in Sydney. I do that over the phone. And, um, you know, they're experiencing a lot of changes. And, yeah. um, and that's really tough on people as well. Mm. Oh. How yes. are you going, Daniel? I'm good. Don't turn this around. <laughs> um, the journalist in me wants to start as- asking you questions. I know. know I got that at dinner. <laughs> I was like, whoa, am I an interrogation here? Yeah. My, my partner always says I'm always interrogating people when I first meet them. But, you know, generally there's always, as you would know from now the podcasts, um, people do enjoy talking about themselves if you ask the right questions. Yeah. I, I don't enjoy it because... I have to listen back to it three times. To oh, yeah, edit that it. sucks. There's nothing worse to than and, and hearing your own voice and then editing. Yeah. It's really boring. Mm. But go, fire away. <laughs> so, um, what do you enjoy about doing podcasts? What's the thing you enjoy most? Listening and learning. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's actually, that's a great thing to do. You know, Judd Apatow, um, who's done all those movies, you know, Knocked Up and all of those movies. Yes. Um, he, when he was a student, went around to all the comedians and interviewed them. He's got mm. a great book called Sick in the Head and it's all the interviews. And that's how he learnt about comedy, through interviewing people. Yeah. So I think what you're doing is fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, it's, um, it's also a really cool way to share the conversations that I get to have, that yeah. I'm privileged to have yeah. with people that, feel like going through the same process. Like I was saying before, when I first started meditating, I didn't have a community or Mm. anyone to sort of focus, focus that journey. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, it was kind of isolating and yeah. Yeah. 
It's cool yeah. to be able to share this kind of stuff. Yeah, and I think that's what the online community has done really well is mm. um, to be able to, you know, have people to have a sense of community in different places in the world. Yes. You know, so we can't get to each other as much as we used to. And, you know, I've got a real I've, – I've, a lot of people have reached out to me through cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, they're all over the world. And so, you know, a podcast like this is fantastic for people who are, you know, just starting to tap into spirituality or, or right in it. So I think it's fantastic. Yeah. Well yeah, done. and and it's I don't even know what I'm going to get sometimes, you know. No, like, you never do. Yeah, get surprise <laughs> packets and like uh, yesterday I had Tali who had nine voices. Yeah, so yeah, cool. saw that. <laughs> that looks really wacky. Yeah. And so, what podcasts do you listen to yourself? Um, Joe Rogan. Yeah, is a big one. Obviously, yep. Tom Knowles. Yeah. Um, the Vedic Worldview. Yeah. Um, uh, a couple other comedians, obviously yeah. Russell Brand. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Jordan B. Peterson. I don't know who that. Who this? Who's that? Um, he who is, that be? He's like a wizard of. He's like super spiritual, but I don't know what his practice is. Mm. He's but he's very in, he's intellectual. He's a philosopher. Yep. He's like this kind of. He. I'm listening to his podcast at the moment. He's deciphering the Bible from. Oh wow! From a like how how it plays into our psychology. Yeah. And why it's still alive. Why it's still with us. Yeah. And, it's just, it's not, he's not like saying you must believe in God um, or else you'll be yeah. smited. It's breaking down all the uh, different um, verses of the Bible and reinterpreting it through a lens of. Oh yeah, that sounds way too serious for me. I'm just, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm too, too lighthearted for that sort of thing. But yeah. I'll tell you a great um, podcast that I really like. Yes. That I think that you might like too. Mm-hmm. Do you know 10% Happier? I don't know 10% Happier. So 10% Happier is a really interesting podcast, and I'm just trying to find the guy's name on my phone. Uh, it's Dan Harris. Yes. So um, Dan Harris is the co-anchor of Nightline, ABC News in America. Oh, also, I've heard Dan Harris yeah, on Joe Rogan, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. He, t- he also um, he reads the news on the weekend edition of Good Morning America. Yes. And um, anyone who's watched their movie uh, Minimalism, The Minimalists, those guys. Yeah. Um, it's on iTunes and Netflix. Um, he had a panic attack on air, live on air. Yeah. And um, and then that was the the catalyst for him learning to meditate. Yes. So he has everyone on who um, meditates. Yeah, right. And um, if you can look up, if you look up one of the older ones, uh, he has, um, now I can't think of his name. He's the guy from How I Met Your Mother who plays Ted and his name is oh Josh Radner. Yes, uh, he learned to meditate from my teacher Tom Knowles. Yeah, right. And uh, he's a Vedic meditator. And there's an mm. interview with him, and it's a really cool interview if you can get your hands on it. Yeah. I often send that link to my students. I'm gonna have to check it out. Yeah, cool. But um, it's a it's a podcast all about meditation. So mm-hmm. we've come a long way. Yes. So when I first did uh, meditation retreats, when I used to go to meditation retreats, I would always tell my bosses I was going on yoga retreats yeah. because they had no idea of what meditation was. Yeah, right. And it's funny that you ask about Big Brother because there was one particular scandal that I was on a meditation retreat and I had my phone off. <laughs> and um, I, I did say to my bosses, my phone is going to be off all weekend. They just couldn't quite get their heads around that. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I remember turning it on and having 47. You have 47 new voicemails. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's come a long way. Mm. You know, very mainstream now. Yeah, it's getting which there. Which is cool. So what about you? Do you still mentor um, people with cancer? 
Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah. I'm working with a woman who's stage four at the moment um, and um, she's on experimental drugs. And I don't necessarily uh, condone people not having chemo. What I do is uh, really help people try and believe that what they're doing is going to help them heal. Mm -hmm. So this particular woman, very similar cancer to to the one I had, Mm -hmm. um, and she did everything the doctors told her. Yes. So um, she had a double mastectomy, she had her ovaries out, and she had chemo and radiation, mm-hmm. and the cancer still came back yes. in two years. And same age, she was about about 38 when she had it. So now she's on an um, immune therapy drug. And so we're just really, I'm working with her to help her get into the mindset that that drug is going to heal her mm-hmm. and help her. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I do. I work with cancer patients still a lot. Sometimes they're overseas. Um it's just about reaching out and letting people know there's a bit of hope and light there. Do they have to be meditators before you work with no, them? No, no. I okay. just work with with everyone. I always mm-hmm. recommend um, people Absolutely. meditate. Yeah, yeah. So um, there was a woman who reached out to me who was actually in Paris. She found me um, on Instagram. She was in Paris and I was like, you know, I've got colleagues in Paris. Um, I think you should go and learn to meditate. And um, she replied back saying, no, 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 I'm actually, uh, I live in Port Melbourne. <laughs> um, so she learnt from me, actually. She came back and from Paris and she learnt from me um, a few weeks ago. Yeah. Again, same type of cancer that I had as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so sometimes they, they meditate. Um, I find that all my mentoring clients do better when they meditate. Yes, no doubt. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, is you, so you mentor and you teach meditation. Yes. Is there anything else that you do in there? Um, I still do a little bit of consulting. Yes. Um, so if there's a project that I'm interested in, someone approaches me, mm-hmm. um, I'll help them with whatever that is. So uh, In last, media stuff? Yeah, generally media. Mm-hmm. Um, I do brand work, help people develop brands, mm-hmm. help people with media. Um, and right now I've got, I'm helping someone develop an app. So I've got a really varied background because I did a lot of product development in digital media spaces. So uh, it just depends. I I don't want to ever get right back into it full time and I should never say never. Um, But occasionally when a project comes up and it's a short project, I'll just take it up. Is there anything else that you want to chat about while we're here? Ah, oh, that's an interesting question. Yeah. Um, what would I like to talk about? Mm. Um, uh, I just think that everyone should be happy. Everyone should be happy. Everyone should be relaxed. Be nice to each other. Everyone should be kind. Yes. Um, yeah, I just think people need to lighten up a bit, you know, yeah. as well. So uh, I think that. All spiritual practices are fantastic. Yes. Um, but you've got to make sure you're doing the right thing for you and be mm. happy as well. I think some people forget that's the reason why they started embracing a new spiritual life. Yes. So mm. I see a lot of people and, and, you know, my teacher talks about a lot about this and, and in, in ancient uh, philosophy they talk a lot about it. You've got to get into stillness and then you've got to perform action. Mm. So um, I think some people forget about performing the action and stay in their caves too much or... Just yep. hang out with other people that are very similar to them. I think it's very important to get out and be integrated and um, be a shining light and shining example for everyone around you. So I think the fact that you're still working in construction is fantastic. <laughs> so I'm sure that you're helping a lot of people and I'm sure people come to you for advice, do they? Yeah. Seek that, you out? They, they, some, sometimes, yeah. Yeah. That it's, must be rewarding. It's cool, yeah. Yeah. Mm, I think it's a it's a good relationship where we get to teach each other, you know. Yeah. You never 
you're never not learning. So yeah, fantastic. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, so um, I'm really um, excited that you've had me on the podcast. I think it's a great, you're doing a great job. Thank you. And um, yeah, I look forward to hearing more. Thank you for coming on. And you're I know welcome. it hasn't been, uh, it's been a long day for you because you're up here teaching. Yeah, I'm doing two courses. So I just, I've been teaching a 13 year old boy who got a private course from his parents from his bar mitzvah, which was very sweet. Beautiful. So using a lot of Star Wars analogies for that course. Yes. <laughs> uh, tapping into the force. Yep. And, um, and then doing a group course with a group of women um, this afternoon. So mm. yeah, two back to back. So yep. yeah, fun. But, uh, Busy. Are you back up here tomorrow? Yeah, I'm back up here tomorrow again. To finish that? Yeah. Shall we wrap it up then? I think we should wrap it up. Okay. Thank you so much for yeah. having me. It was fun. Thanks for coming. All right. It's been you're a welcome. Pleasure. Hmm. How do you make spirituality attractive to the masses? There's got to be something in it for them, hmm. you know, and um, there has to be some kind of gain. So yeah. you have to make it accessible. Yes. So, um, and that doesn't necessarily mean it has to be dumbed down because mm. most people understand that that happiness is an inside job. Yes. You know, they just uh, don't know how to find it. Mm. Um, so everyone wants to be happier. Yeah. Everyone wants to be less stressed. You'd think so. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Yeah. Most people want less money. I mean, more money. Yes. Not less money. Mm. Most people want more money. So if your spirituality comes with abundance and happiness, mm. then that's a good way to sell it. Yes. Cool. <laughs> um, how do you think you can make spirituality attractive to the masses? I don't know yet. So working that one out. Yeah. Mm. I think it needs to be able to be integrated. So, I, you know, I see a lot of people that learn to meditate for instance, um, and then are not able to integrate it into their lives. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really important to let them know how they can, mm. you know. And, um, you know, for me it was I've meditated at a music festival. Yeah. Um, I tell my famous little story. I go to the Blue Mountains Music Festival um, after my father's just passed away, so I just want to have a big kind of music festival kind of day. Mm-hmm. And um, I lose my friends, my phone uh, dies battery. I don't really know where I'm staying. Kind of vaguely know the area, but don't know the address at all. Yeah. Um, John Butler Trio is playing, so I really want to see them. The final act. So I stay on my own. Decide to meditate. Mm-hmm. Um, close my eyes to meditate. Um, and when I open them, um, Dylan Vital Vader's standing there. <laughs> yes. Um, so Dylan Smith uh, saw me from across the way and says, "Hey, you know, I could see someone was meditating. I, th- I thought I'd come over and see if I knew them. Yes. So I ha- had a chat to him. That was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and then um, he he was a big John Butler fan, so he went back up to the front of the audience. I watched the rest of I watched the gig. Um, started walking home after walking up the main street of Katoomba in the Blue Mountains." And um, I can see the taxi rank. There's like 200 people there. I'm thinking, what? how am I going to get home? You know? Yes. No phone. Not quite sure where I live. Um, <laughs> I walk past Domino's and I walk into Domino's and I'm like, hey, how do you um, deliver your pizzas? And they're like, by car. And I said, so um, could you, if I order a pizza, could you deliver me home with the pizza? <laughs> 
So the 17-year-old kid serving me goes to the 19-year-old manager and they have a little chat and they're like, yeah, but you have to pay 20 bucks for the pizza. I'm like, sure. Yep. So I order a big extra large vegetarian pizza. Yep. Next thing I know, I'm in this like tiny little two-door car <laughs> um, and the music's like doof, doof, doof. And this kid knows exactly where I live, um, where I'm staying. He knows the house, yep. um, drops me home. I give him five bucks. He's just absolutely chuffed. He's never got a tip in his life. Um, you know, I walk in the door. The door happens to be open because it's the mountains and they leave the door open, yep. um, unlocked. And I, I go in, have a couple of pieces of pizza, have a shower, go to bed. My friends come home two hours later. Can't quite understand what I've done or where I've been. Yeah. But, you know, I had the night that I needed to have, yes. you know, and that's kind of creative lateral thinking. And that's a very kind of silly minor story. But I think that meditation gives you that kind of insight mm-hmm. into doing things out of the box. Yeah. So, Yeah. Definitely. So maybe Domino's can sell spirituality. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Out of the box. <laughs> Out of the box. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So pizza with a side of spirituality. 